almost everywhere you go uh, that's not some retail shop, if you're going to buy some souvenirs, and even a lot of times in the retail shops, you can have a conversation with them, you know? And, and it usually goes like this, how much for this? And they give you a price. Now, I don't even speak the language, and a lot of times they don't speak my language. But what they do do is they bring out a calculator, and they type in uh, the, the number, and then they show you the number. And then you, they hand you the calculator. You say, no, 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 no. You type, you type it in, and you put the number you want to pay. And then you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, uh, my favorite story that goes along with that happened in a time when I was in Southeast Asia doing a prayer walk, and Rollin Woolley happens to be here. He'll remember this because Rollin was with me, and we were sharing a room in a guest house. Now, you would think Southeast Asia is going to be hot, but we didn't pack heavy enough clothes for this trip. The temperature dropped way down. I think it was in the 40s, and, and you know, the, the humidity affects how you feel temperature-wise, and so Southeast Asia, it was about 40 degrees. It was just cold, and so Rollin was in one uh, bed in the, the guest room, and I was in the other bed in the guest room, and there, the, the windows didn't, like, close all the way, and there were uh, mortared-in holes. I don't know what the holes were there, airflow, I guess, for whatever the reason, but when it was so cold, you didn't want that airflow. We just couldn't get warm. And I remember that that morning I woke up for breakfast and I had with me only probably three or four pairs of pants and two or three shirts and none of them were uh, really of any kind of... So I, I literally got up and put all four pairs of pants on. I put all my shirts on. I was kind of like walking around, you know, uh, and, and, you know, kind of still kind of hard to sit down, all that kind of stuff. I was still freezing. And uh, so we, we started talking with the... Uh, the uh, people who run the guest house where is there a market nearby that where, where i could get a jacket so they said oh it's right up here it's only about a quarter mile up they didn't say quarter mile i don't know what they said but anyway just up here you know i, I kind of worked it out and uh, and so we went up there and uh, so we go up into this upper level there was a two-story black market that just had goods from all around the world you know uh probably predominantly from china but anyway all, all around the world and in, in, in uh, vietnam here we are in vietnam and i'm walking around and i see of all things i spy up on the wall of a, a, a nasa jacket a NASA down jack, still in the package, right? Still in the package, just like all the Air Force, all, all the NASA uh, astronauts would wear. That thing looked warm. And so I began to look at it, and I was like, oh, I wonder what they want for it. And I bring it down, and, uh, and it's got like a, like a $75 price tag on it. I'm like, $75? You know how, much, you know how far $75 goes in Vietnam? This was just like the, just throw the price out there. Let's see what we can get for it, right? And so I began to deal with this little Vietnamese woman. Now, you got to understand, this is not, uh, we would get offended by, by this in the U.S. because we say the price is the price, take it or leave it. But over there, this is international relations. <laughs> this is conversation. This is the game. And if you don't play the game, you know, you, they think less of you, right? And so, okay, I'm not going to be that easy, Mark. So I just, uh, so I say, how much? And, and she looks at the 75 and she immediately drops to 50. And I say, Ain't no way I'm paying $50 for that thing. I'm freezing my tail. But I, I, I draw the line somewhere. And we, we, we started going and we started haggling. And I dropped, I think I went down to like $5, and, and she was like, hmm, and you know, pushes her button in here and hands it back to me. And by the time we were done, 
by the time we were done, as memory serves, I, I bought that jacket for $20. I had a $20 bill in my hand, and I thought, you know what? I would give her a lot more because I am cold. I'm freezing. I'm, I'm, gonna need, I'm knowing I'm in the back of a truck for the next two hours going into Laos. I know that I, I, I want to have some covering on, right? And, uh, and I'm like, okay, I finally, okay, I, I smiled. I agreed, put in 20. Okay, she's there. She's there. I handed her the 20. And I kid you not, I'm, I'm going to do my best little Vietnamese woman impression. She went to every shop lot that was there. She went in front of them. She waved that $20 bill like she had won the lottery. She just ran all, every place knew that I had cut loose of a $20 bill. And I thought, maybe I paid too much. Maybe I paid too much. The reality is you don't really know the game. That, that, could have been, that could have been a 50 cent jacket in Vietnam. I don't know. But the value of a thing is the price it will bring. Are you with me? The value of a thing is how many of you have spent more money on something, you know, I mean, go to a ball game. Hot dogs are always 5 to $10, right? Uh, you go someplace, you know, uh, the, the timing, whatever's going on, you know, those, th those things pay, they, they, they play into the value. So the value of a thing is the price that it will bring. Now I want to talk to you about the value of a human life. I'm going to talk to you about what God sees when he sees his people on the planet, okay? And so, you know, we know John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, God gave his son. So that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. This was a price that was paid. But it was not a price that, that, uh, that is one for one. Jesus wasn't a one for one exchange. Jesus started a whole new race. I'm going to talk to you about that today. I'm going to tell you the story of the three crosses. Then I'm going to tell you the story of the three gardens. And then we're going to move from Genesis to Revelation. And somewhere around 1230 today, we'll be done. Just joking, just joking. Touch your neighbor and say, he always says stuff like that. It's okay. It's okay. Just relax. So I want to talk to you today about how much. There's a, a, a few, uh, few things that we want to uh, just get ourselves to wrap around here. God demonstrates his love for, in, uh, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans chapter 5. Eight. In other words, God's not looking for good people. God's just looking for people. He values you because you have breath in your lungs. He values you because you are his creation, the highest form of creation, in fact. You, are, you, are, uh, you were created to have dominion and to re represent him in whatever you do, what, wherever you are. You are God's representative. You're, you're his ambassador in the earth. He, he desires more than anything for you to know him and to walk the way he wants you to walk. And uh, so the message of Christmas is how much distance God is willing to go to reach you. The message of the cross is how much sacrifice God is willing to pay for you. The message of the empty tomb is how much power God has made available to you. How much? How much? How much distance? How much sacrifice? How much power did he make available to you? The message of Easter is that no matter how much you or I sin, God's love for us never, ever changes. Um, I was talking to a friend, and he was telling me the story about how he was in 
uh, he was in uh, Singapore, and he was talking to a man that was probably a billionaire at the time. And uh, the father and the son, they were together, they're walking out, and the son says to his dad, Dad, how much do you think this guy's worth? Like, really, how much do you think? All the businesses that he owns, all the stock options that he owns, how much do you think this guy's really worth? And the father just looked over at him and said, one drop. What do you mean one drop? One drop, one drop of the blood of Jesus. Every human being worth one drop of the blood of Jesus. Praise God. We have to have the right currency. When we start to ask how much, we have to make sure that we're on the right standard of currency, don't we? And so you and I are pretty good with American currency. We know how to get a deal in the U.S. You go to another part of the world, different currency, your brain has to recalibrate. You have to figure out, okay, how much is this worth in American dollars? And then I, and then I can work back to what I believe the value is. How does God look at humankind? How does God look at how much we are worth? Let me start the story with Luke 23. Luke 23, 33, when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answers him, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. I want to talk to you about those three crosses for a minute. Do we have a three crosses uh, slide up there? Okay, I want you to think about the, the, the fact that those three crosses were not put up there in the minds of the Romans to crucify an innocent person. That those three crosses were actually up there to, uh, to crucify a group of thieves, probably uh, a little gang that had gotten together. Uh, the two were thieves on either side, and the one that was supposed to be in the middle, do you remember his name? Uh, he was Barabbas. He was going to be, he was a guy that had incited an insurrection against the Romans. And, uh, and so right up until the moment of... Right up until that cross was going to go be planted up there, Barabbas, that cross had Barabbas's name on it. It was going to be three bad dudes that were going to be crucified that day. But that day, that day, uh, Pilate came out, right, and said, you know, I can exchange somebody. Who, who do you want to have crucified? And they said, give us Barabbas, a murderer, an insurrectionist, one who had been a thief, probably the head of that gang that had been rounded up. And, and so they, they took the guilty one and they let him go free and they took the innocent one and put the innocent one on the cross in the middle. Three crosses. 
interesting thought. It gets even more interesting, and I want you to see this because this is where I'm going to start talking about the three gardens for a minute, okay? So the cross on the left is the thief who said, you know, who who was just uh, reviling and he was blaspheming and he was not even caring about anything that that was going on except himself. The cross in the middle, obviously, Jesus. The cross on the right-hand side was the man that understood that a price was being paid. He understood that there was a sacrifice being made. He understood that he was being punished justly, but that Jesus had done nothing wrong, deserving of his crucifixion. And so when he said to him, with, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on the inside of his heart, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the words Jesus uses, I want you to get a hold of, today... You'll be with me in paradise. Do you know that word paradise is an interesting word? That that word paradise is actually the same word that's used all the way back in the book of Genesis for the Garden of Eden, the Garden of God. It's the same word. And, and so uh, the only time this word is typically used is talking about the garden of God. Paradise, we see it as paradise in Luke uh, 23, but it's the word garden. So let's put that word in there and let, let, let's backtrack and think about what it means. Jesus says that because you have said this, because you believe, because you believe today, you're going to the garden with me. Today, you and I are going to be in the place that is even better than where it all started. Remember the garden where God used to walk with Adam in the cool of the day, and they'd have conversations, but it was also in the garden that had the tree of life. In the garden, it had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam makes a wrong choice. He, he eats of the tree, and, and then he's driven from the garden because of his choice, because God says if he reaches up and takes the fruit of the tree of life, he's going to maintain his situation in sin forever. So he pushes him out of the garden, guards it with some, uh, with some uh, angels with flaming swords, and Adam is thrust out into the world. And so now we find this situation, this, this really strange thing that's taking place, because if you will, follow with me, that the one on the left is the thief that says, I don't care about God. I don't care what God wants. He's a thief of disobedience. He is going to die in his sin. He's going to die in his sin because he doesn't care about the person who's in the middle. He doesn't understand the reality of everything that's taking place in that moment. But Jesus himself, centered in the cross, we discover through the scriptures that Jesus himself is dying for sin. He's dying for sin. He is, by his activity on the cross, he is paying the price for what the first Adam left behind. Jesus is second Adam. Jesus is last man. Jesus is creating on this cross a human race of people who will say, I have my feet on the ground, but heaven is in my heart. That paradise actually rules and reigns because I can walk and talk with God freely wherever I go. And so the thief on the, on the right-hand side, uh, that thief died to sin. In the moment that he said, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, I want to go and remember me. Just think about the simplicity of this conversation. Oh, we get prayer so 
out of whack, don't we? Well, how do I, how am I supposed to posture myself? Can I only pray in church? Do I have to be on my knees? Do I have to close my hands, fold my hand, uh, close my eyes, fold my hands? How do I have to pray? Here's a thief on the cross. Looks over. Jesus. I don't know how many breaths he has left. Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, will you remember my name? Would you just remember my name? It's as if put in a good word for me. Remember my name. And Jesus, full of forgiveness. Having just prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. That man, that thief on the cross, he died to sin that day. He died to sin. Simple conversation. Three crosses. Now, let, let me talk to you about the three gardens. I left you uh, with Adam in the garden just having been pushed out. Our second garden I want to talk to you about before we get to the end of our time this morning. Second garden is the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, in the Garden of Gethsemane, there are, there are human enem enemies around, uh, but at the moment, at that moment, there, there was no demonic en enemies around. This was Jesus having a conversation with his father, and let me tell you why. Because if you back up the train to along around Luke chapter 4, you'll find that Jesus has already defeated all three temptations that Adam succumbed to in the Garden, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. Jesus took the battle to the devil whipped the devil in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting he whips him he comes out in the power and starts his ministry now after all this time jesus finds himself in the garden of gethsemane and here's the reason i want to talk to you about this second garden this morning because it gives you a clear understanding of something that jesus said before he went to the cross um, when when jesus gets uh, to his place in the garden and he's in prayer and he's seeking god what jesus is trying to discern is the will of God while he prays. He's trying to determine, you know, he, 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 he captures the will of God in his heart. Father, I want to do your will. And then the Lord shows him the cross. The Father shows him the cross. And Jesus is having to decide, is the cross the will of God? He wasn't afraid of it, but he was trying to discern whether or not the cross was the will of God for his life. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. If Adam had prayed that prayer, we wouldn't have left the first garden. But now we're in the second garden, and it's not a garden of disobedience. It's a garden of obedience from the Son. The Son finds himself determining what the will of the Father is. Are you willing to lay down your innocent life? You've not done anything wrong. But are you, are you willing to lay down everything that you have so that all of my kids can come back in? And Jesus says, I'm willing to do the will of the Father. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. It wasn't the Romans who crucified Jesus. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the Pharisees who put him up to it. It really wasn't them. It was the heart of Jesus himself. The heart. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. No one takes my life from me. He determined while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane that he was going to submit himself to the will of the Father and that through the Father's will, 
he would see a third garden. He already knew who for the joy, I like this part, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Who for the joy? Jesus saw paradise on the other side of the cross. Why? Because he'd already determined in his heart to do the will of the Father. And he knew that the Father was going to make a way where there was no way. And he was going to do that through the body of Jesus Christ. How much is paradise worth? How much is the garden of God worth? If you were to buy a piece of property, that would be a pretty good location if you could put money on it. How do you, how do you create that currency, that heavenly currency, so that you can buy your own little piece of heaven? Wouldn't that be a nice retirement program? I was in, uh, I was in a store this past week. I was down. Uh, I, got, I got myself a little coupon from Harbor Freight, and they had this, this jack that was actually strong enough to lift my Land Cruiser. And I'm like, dude, I'm there. <laughs> so I go by this jack, and I'm standing there in line. This older gentleman there happens to be African-American. It's really irrelevant, but I, I, love, I, I loved him just because he, 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 he didn't look like he had that many years on him. But I was about to find out different. And so he was having a conversation with the lady, and I thought it was cute. He was buying a, some kind of grinder, and she says, do you want the extended warranty on that grinder? He said, honey, I'm 80 years old. I don't buy an extended warranty on nothing. Then I said, well, it's true, isn't it? Only Jesus gives extended warranties on human beings. He said, you know, that's right. He said, I got to myself three score and ten, which I think Psalm 90 talks about, three score and ten. And he said, I kept on going. I got ten more years on that. Jesus has been good to me. I'm 80 years old. I said, praise God. We had this whole little gospel conversation right there. Nobody could get away. It was so great. How much is paradise worth? How much would you pay if you could pay? If you could pay, how would you pay? What's the currency for a life? What's the currency for 7.2 billion people on the planet? What's the currency? What's the going rate of a human being? One drop. One drop of the blood of Jesus, one drop. John 20, I'm going to get you through to the second garden, the third garden here. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I turned around, and, and, and I, I don't know where they put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. Thinking he was the gardener. 
She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them all the things that he had said to her. You know, the third, the third garden that we get to talk about is actually the one in the book of Revelation. When God wraps everything up. See, there are three crosses that represent the decision. Represent where we're at. We're, we're, we're either uh, with Adam on the left, a race that is cut off from the garden. We're trying to pay the price of Jesus that only Jesus himself can pay. Or we're simply believing what he said about himself. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place. Where is he going? He's going to the garden. Because when you get to the book of Revelation, you're going to find the garden. You're going to find leaves with healing, uh, with uh, 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 trees with leaves that are healing for the nations. You're going to find them bearing fruit and bringing healing and life. That's what Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. This is the price that's been paid so that you and I could have this paradise that he says he has made available to us. Three crosses and three gardens. How much did he pay? See, I know God paid the price for the whole world, but I don't know if he paid your price. Only you know because you get to decide. You're, you're like I was with that little Vietnamese woman. Sooner or later, you have to put the number on the calculator and say, this is what I'm willing to pay. Sooner or later, you're going to have to say, you know what? I'm sick of trying it my own way. I'm sick of trying to figure this thing out. I know there's more, but I can't get to the more. How do I get to the more to life? Why does life always have to be uh, the, the law of diminishing returns in my life? Why is it that I'm working harder and getting less for it? Why do, I, uh, not, why do relationships not seem to work out? Why can't I get these kids to listen to me? Why can't, I, why can't my car stop breaking down, doggone it? What is it? What is it? What is all the things that are frustration? in your life and it's because you've said I'm going to do it my way instead of saying Jesus I realize you're the only way and he says as soon as you say Jesus I believe you're the only way he says to you today you'll be with me in paradise today Today, here's the good news, that the kingdom doesn't wait until you and I draw our last breath. The thief, the thief had no time to backslide. Think about it. He had no time to change his mind. You know, as soon as he came to Jesus, it was like lights out. Woo! You know, deathbed conversion, death cross to conversion, whatever you want to call it. He was instantly in. He had no other decisions to make. But what the Word of God tells us is that as soon as I say yes to Jesus, eternal life happens on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am at that moment a child of God. It's just as if I had never sinned. Paradise comes to live on the inside of you. That's the peace of God. You now have peace with God through the blood of our Lord Jesus. That's where it comes from. And so then from that day forward, you have access to heaven. Beautiful. Could we stand this morning?
since I don't know everybody here, and I don't know where you're at with the Lord, you've been trying to bargain with God with your low calculator. <laughs> you said, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll never ask you for another thing. You type that into your low calculator. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. What you have to do is you have to type in the numbers one, zero, zero. And you say, this is the price I'm willing to give to you, Jesus. One, zero, zero. One hundred percent. My whole heart. He doesn't want what's in your wallet. He wants your heart. He wants you to reposition yourself to move from the cross on the left to let him pay your price, the cross in the middle, to the cross on the other side today. You'll be with me in paradise. Let's just bow our heads for a moment, close our eyes. Holy Spirit's been knocking on the door of people's hearts today. process really isn't difficult. The Holy Spirit begins to touch your heart and the words are not really what it's all about. It's really about the believe in your heart. But Romans chapter 10 tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised us from the dead, that God raised him from the dead, that we shall be saved. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. You're basically saying two words, I believe. I believe. Your whole life hangs on two words. I believe. Paradise, God's garden, God's life created for you. Two words away from it. I believe. I believe. John 20 says, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. This Easter, some of you come here today and you'll say to me, Pastor Ken, I... I've kind of put my walk on the shelf. I've kind of been away from God. I've let too much distance get between me and him. If that's you, just slip up your hands. It's just between you and the Lord today. But I'm just here to acknowledge it. You've been, you've been separated from the Lord in distance. You, you know, amen, other hands this morning. You, you, know, you know that you're not as close as you once were to the Lord. And you're ready to come back today by saying, I believe. You want to draw near to Jesus today. Slip up your hand all over this place. We'll wait just a moment. Amen. Amen. In the back. Others this morning. You want to bridge that gap. God wants you to experience his closeness. He wants to be so close to you that you can hear his whisper. And just by you lifting your hand says you're already hearing his whisper. And you want to hear more. You just want to hear his voice more. You just want to know him more. See, he already knows you. He knows everything about you, but he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. 
You've been away, but you want to come near. I'll wait just another moment. Now, those of you, maybe this is your first Easter message, or maybe it's the first Easter message that ever made sense to you. And you've never professed that Jesus is Lord. You've never understood the empty tomb. You've never understood the three crosses and the three gardens and what God did by sending Jesus on your behalf. But today you've heard it, and the Holy Spirit's telling you on the inside, this is true. This is real. This isn't a fairy tale. This is what you've been missing. You've never made that profession of faith. Just slip up your hand right where you're at. Slip up your hand. We just want to pray with you all over this room, all over this room. Holy Spirit's dealing with people's hearts. Those emotions are a sign that the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart. That's all it is. Don't dismiss it as just emotion. That's how you know the Holy Spirit's working. Because some of you have been cold. Some of you have been dry. Holy Spirit's moving right now in your heart. Let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the price of your blood that was paid for me. I know you died for the whole world. But today, I believe you died for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. Make me new. I want to be your child forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, so a couple of things that are on the horizon I want to make you aware of. If you're a guest with us, please stop by Inside Lighthouse. We have a gift for you there. We want to practice a little hospitality. If you're a guy and you're married, we have, uh, we have the power of a praying husband that's kicking off this coming Thursday night at, at 7 o'clock. Um, I'd love to have you be there. The cost is the price of the book. Um, you can get that online probably for about 